Greetings and salutations. You're listening to the Into the North podcast, where we take a look at the competitive side of the Commander format, also known as CDH. I am your host, Reed, aka Sick Robot, and today I'm joined by my co-host Morgan, aka Cleanface. How's it going, everyone? Uh, and in this episode, we're going to be taking a long-awaited uh, revisit to a classic topic that we covered three years ago that probably, you know, <laughs> needed, needed a bit of a touch-up. Um, we're going to be talking about stacks. Stacks in 2023. At least the first month of 2023. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like a lot has changed between when we made our original stacks episode and now, not limited to... The printing of Thassa's Oracle, the banning of Flash, printing of Dockside, printing of Breach, etc., etc., etc. A whole bunch of new stuff. Um, so I think it's going to be a good one. Um, but before we get into that, I uh, just want to talk about some stuff that we've been doing recently. Um, I feel like, I don't know, at least for me, I, I feel like this has been a through line for like every piece of content that I've made for like probably the past like two months or something. This is, I think this is still an ongoing period of me playing, like, the least CDH that I have in, like, literal years. Um, I've actually, I've been getting more into it, like, the, having, having the Sunday meetups definitely, definitely helps. It's a little unfortunate that they're on true. stream day, but, uh, yeah, still just spending, like, my entire Sunday playing CDH is, uh, is good for me. I'm, I'm good really call. enjoying actually getting out and playing games face-to-face. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we've both been horrendously addicted to uh, Vintage Cube as well recently, um, which is sort of what's been partially eating up that time. Uh, yeah, I I've just been drafting a lot of Tinker, <laughs> like an un- unreasonable amount of Tinker. <laughs> uh, I Reece think I had, like... sees like one card from the artifact deck and just goes, "It's open," and then just forces <laughs> it to be open by. And then, like, but then I find the tinker. It's like I get like a seventh pick tinker in like pack three or whatever. It's like yeah, of course, okay, together. I had four. I had four drafts in a row that I was offered tinker and balance in. <laughs> four, four in a row. <laughs> I, don't I, I don't know. How you blame me. I mean, I I don't know. You you need to, come on. You need to draft better. Got to get more trophies. Man. <laughs> what are you what, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess. I, uh, I think yeah, probably I, I, yeah. I set my personal challenge of could I reach twenty trophies. So that's uh, we 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 hit it yesterday, and then I did one nice. more draft for like. I was like, we hit it. I'm happy to stop. And then I was hanging out with people. I was like, I'm gonna fire up a cube draft, and then I went one two, and now now it ends on a sour note. You know, <laughs> yeah, like just only feel bad. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's fun. I'm I'm glad it's not on all the time. Like I miss it when it's gone. But yeah, yeah. Certainly, I, like I'm, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> I would yeah, not I think, want it to be around for another two weeks. I think if it was around for another two weeks, it would probably take at least a few more days, maybe up to a week, for me to like fully get myself unaddicted to it. So glad that I'm getting like an early end, and I can like get back to things that matter <laughs> in my life. Um, like actually, like playing the format of Magic that I am supposed to, and I'm on content creator teams for and should probably be prepping for tournaments for and etc so anyway <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get back to it <laughs> um cool so without uh further ado on that uh we're just gonna hop into housekeeping real quick um we have a few new patrons uh for the podcast uh first up we got alex w and we have matthew p 
and an uncomfortably large sturgeon. Um, not sure how you managed to make it all the way to a patron uh, page and have a bank account and uh, send money our way, but we appreciate it. So we really do. All of y'all, <laughs> you rock. Um, uh, in terms of new developments, uh, not much here. Well, there's only one point here. I guess it's a pretty large point. Um, there's a lot of tournaments coming up, huh? And coming up just happened. happened. Yeah, we yeah. had uh, we had Silicon Dynasty followed by uh, Chaos Six, and I believe this weekend is a Mox Masters. And then uh, they recently announced. I think the next Playmax is in a while, but it was announced recently. Yeah, just... I think uh, what Path of Dominance Three is coming up too. I don't think it's this month, but something like that. Um, Maybe too many tournaments yeah. for us to keep track of them. But that's uh, definitely <laughs> that's awesome. A good thing. There's uh, yeah. well. We'll link the uh, the CEDH event hub, which I think tracks tracks most of them. Uh, and uh, if you're interested in participating in those, definitely check it out, because there's going to be a lot of them this year, which is awesome. I know Chaos is planning yeah. on doing... Uh, they're going to be doing a, a tournament every month, uh, on the third Saturday of every month. I believe the plan is to alternate uh, a free tournament with a paid tournament with like a slightly different structure or some experimental rules or whatever. And yeah. then, so every other month there'll be your bog standard free entry, you know, standard CDH tournament, uh, via spell table. And then every other month there'll be some, something a little different. Um, so that's, I mean, that's 12 tournaments right there. That's, Super could you imagine talking to yourself in 2019 and being like, yeah, yeah, there, there's one group that's going to be putting on 12 tournaments in 2020. Yeah. And then also there are like four other tournament groups also running like online tournaments and like very large uh, major IRL tournaments and stuff. Yeah. Um, which is awesome. Uh, I guess aside from like speaking about Flesh World and not uh, Digital Cardboard World, um, there's also a couple of online or uh, offline events going on. Uh, there's the um magic that magic con they're magic cons now right are, are they magic cons or are they magic 30s i don't i don't know <laughs> i think there's i ma- think it's magic con there's magic con philadelphia happening um in february at some point february like 25th did i get that right no, no i think i think it's the week i think it's the week before that like the 18th ish 17th to 19th uh, 17th yeah all right that was a week off but so that's going to be pretty hot. I know uh, a bunch of content creators are going to get out there. Um, I'm not sure that any of us are going to be able to get out there. Um, I think I'm probably the only person with a schedule allowing. Um, and I'm not quite sure that I can make it work. Just unfortunately pretty busy right now. And uh, I'd rather save uh, travel time, travel funds, travel uh, mental energy, etc. for uh, larger tournaments. But I... I would more than encourage anybody that's uh, sort of looking at it and maybe is in the area or could make the drive down with a few friends to certainly go because I know there are going to be a bunch of great content creators there. I know Ian's going. I think uh, Cal is going. I think uh, Nathan Hermit Druid is going. I don't know. I think some, at least some of playing with power are going, if I remember correctly. Oh, uh, yeah. I think there might be. Oh, yeah. I think uh, maybe some of the Sadnaz sad guys are going as well. Could be wrong. Anyway. Um, there, there are going to be a lot of people there. Uh, if you're into CDH at all, EDH in general, um, I think you should definitely head out. Or you know, just like Magic, I think they, I have never been to a Magic con, but I'm sure they uh, they have even more uh, of uh, like you know artist booths and vendor booths and stuff there than uh, you would normally find at a uh, 
MF <laughs> How many names for magic large magic events have we cycled through at this point? Anyway, um, we also have a uh, uh, sorry, Pun City Two coming up as well in March. That's a month and a bit away at this point. Um, which tickets have already sold out for. Um, but you can always try getting onto their uh onto their waitlist. See if you can uh, get in through there. Uh, do we have dates for other Eminence events this year? I believe so there's uh at least one there's one in atlanta july 29th 30th right i don't think they've announced uh like their late summer slash fall events yet um right but definitely but, uh, keep it i mean out. it's also i think it's worth noting and just you know how awesome it is i mean it sucks that we didn't get tickets but punt city yeah. sold out the day it went up like a hundred and twenty person event yeah sold out the day it was like tickets went on sale like that's absolutely wild yeah uh absolutely nutty they even they even upped the entrant uh max to 160 from 128 and that immediately got filled as well just for people on the wait list and then there are still people on the wait list waiting which is just like awesome great to see i think it's a uh hearty endorsement of uh at least east coast east coast events if not just irl cdh tournament events in general um I think Silicon Dynasty did very well as well, from what I know. So, um, great to see all that happening. Now all we need is, a, is an event in Toronto. I'll take Montreal, too. I mean, I'll take... I'd even take, like, somewhere just, you know, within, Kitchener. like... I'd be willing to drive a <laughs> decent distance, like, four or five hours or six. Yeah. You know, I could do that. It's, like, just not ten, be ten is hour. a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, if I could Niagara travel... Falls. If I could travel and, like still do something the day i travel that'd be cool yeah. not like leave yeah. in the morning arrive in the evening exactly but, uh, um yeah but if anybody's listening monarch eminence honestly anybody else if anybody else is just like in the Niagara falls area detroit maybe windsor something like that that area through events i know uh detroit has a pretty large cdh scene right i mean timmy's been cultivating michigan events for years now um, yeah, there's a, so, there's a there's a pretty solid crew over there. So maybe there's something in the future over in a in a Michigan. <laughs> I, um, I remember someone from around there suggesting that we meet halfway, and I think they said uh, <laughs> Windsor, and it was like it's uh, like yes, yeah, that's uh, you true. drive thirty minutes, I drive three. It was a three and a half hours, like through something like that. Yeah, half, halfway. <laughs> like, uh, but yes, it's all of it. We're we're all of it. All of it collaboration and compromise here um cool uh so that's uh that's the new developments uh again just keep your eye out for tournaments now is like the best time to get into cdh if you want to be uh get into like tournament cdh or just like large events or getting to know people so um definitely check it out um but i think we're about good to get into our main topic here um which is uh stacks in current year but literally like stacks in 2023 because um yeah again it's been it's been a while since the last time that we sort of touched on stacks holistically, and uh, it's changed a lot. Uh, the game plans have changed a lot. The cards that you're looking to hit out, the strategies that you're looking to hit out. Uh, surprisingly, the win cons actually haven't really changed that much, but <laughs> I guess we'll get into that in a bit. I mean, with a couple, with a couple exceptions, because yeah, yeah. When yeah. we did our last video, it was 2019, and uh, yep. there were there were a couple win cons that exist now that did not exist then. But, yeah, just uh... just a few. <laughs> 
Um, so I think we were going to start with uh, just sort of breaking down the types of stacks that currently exist. Um, we sort of went back and forth on this a bit and just sort of came it down to there being like really like two fully defined uh, categories of stacks right now. I, you could probably come up with your own personal lists of like probably like three, four, maybe more. I doubt it, though. Um, like categories of stacks. Um, sorry, this is categories of we, stacks deck, not categories. Of stacks, stacks decks. Sorry, not stacks pieces. Stacks decks. Um, and like strategies in general. Um, so the two that we came up with were uh, stacks as a primary uh, game plan. So this is stuff like hard stacks. You might hear this called win conless stacks. Um, decks like this are just looking to sort of like your your main game plan is to uh play stacks early, play stacks in the mid game probably play stacks in the late game and then just sort of get your opponents dead through um, whatever means necessary, usually involving a whole lot of combat damage. Um, so it's not uncommon to see the commanders for these strategies being uh, combat steroids in the command zone or being at least large bodies in the command zone with some ability to uh, immediately shut stuff off. So examples being stuff like Jetmir, Yasharn, Timna Kamal, um, probably like some Kenrith decks probably fall into this category as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then next, if you want to handle, yeah, yeah. the the other The other kind of stacks uh, is is a deck that's looking to play stacks as sort of incidental roadblocks to just slow everyone while they develop their own proactive plan. Uh, we didn't have a great term for this. Uh, you know, like maybe disruptive stacks or parasitic stacks. I know parasitic is a word that uh, yeah, obviously has very sure. negative connotations, but. Um, <laughs> That's that's not like how we tempo. mean them. But, yeah, like tempo uh, stacks. You sort of like yeah. It's 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 less about locking your opponents out, more about like buying yourself time. Yeah. So so this is uh this is going to be stuff like uh and this this one might be a little contentious. We'll we'll get into this in a little bit. But uh, yeah. Winota, um, you know, Blue Pod, Arden Crom, the stacks version, obviously, or like um. Rafine the stacks version, depending on yeah. how stacks you go, it could shift up into hard stacks, or it could sort of, if you're still playing like Reanimator and stuff like that, or like a Razaketh, it could be more that. Um, yeah. Timnakodama, but the well, Timnakodama's probably again in the middle a little bit. But uh, these decks are essentially looking to they want to play as little stacks as possible to avoid losing the game, whereas yeah. Uh, decks in the first category just want to keep playing stacks. Like that's yeah, that's the, essentially the more the stacks way. you can get to play, the better. Yeah. Um, and then you know when no one can do anything, that's when you win. As opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to the second category, which is when no one can win, that's when you win. Yeah, exactly. When nobody, when nobody has sufficient resources to stop you from winning, you do it. But like, yeah. it's not you're not locking them out. Um, and then we sort of, uh, yeah. Well, I was just, I think we're going to say the same thing. We were just, yeah. Uh, there's like a category below that, which is decks that, you know, are toolboxy and flex like a stacks piece or two. That's not really, uh, a stacks deck. Like putting a collector oof in your otherwise stacks list Thrasios Timna deck is not a, is not a stacks deck. (laughs) Yeah, does not a stack stack make. Um, you'll see a lot of like toolbox stuff like this. Uh, is uh, typically a lot of the time will end up 
being uh, in like Bant plus colors, uh, just because like it's nice to have a bunch of creature tutors plus the breadth of like green and white stacks uh, like pieces while also having blue that wants to encourage you to play like good cards and not just like more stacks pieces. So you sort of like pick and choose, play the silver bullets and just like play a, a functional deck otherwise. Yeah, and I think like when you have blue staxy decks, it tends to lean you towards being much more proactive because like rather than just continuing to layer stacks, you know, going for like interaction gets a lot stronger under stacks, right? Yeah. Um and then like, you know, the ability to like protect a win con while disrupting like oh, I have some protection spells and then like I played a Thalia which makes my opponents you know, like, really struggle to interact with me, so now I'm just gonna go for my win, or or things like that. Yeah. Things of that kind. Um, so, yeah, th- just sort of as, like, a pri- as a, like, a preliminary thing um, to sort of divide what we're talking about, because I'm sure we'll end up talking sort of about these categories more later. Um, uh, I'm actually sort of interested, like, I, we can, we can move on, but I, I also sort of want to actually go back and check, uh, if we had like different categories for the uh for the first stack show that we did because uh these sort of seem like they could be similar but um yeah not oh, really geez, right. we're, we're scrolling all the way down I actually uh, knew the uh the episode number already it was episode seven yeah we didn't really have anything okay cool um but it, it's I I feel like it is sort of important because uh specifically like stacks as a primary game plan I feel like in twenty nineteen wasn't really viewed as a uh like a viable strategy in a lot of cases it was sort of like the like uh combat damage is a win con or damage is a win con was a meme up until like pretty recently honestly like within the past two years or so um partially due to a combination of having like just not great combat steroids in the command zone uh, compared to stuff previously, as well as, like, it was sort of harder to establish full locks, especially, like, the deck compositions that you were playing against were, like, different. People were playing a lot more mid-range stuff and were able to handle, um, like, stacks pieces early a, a bit better just because they were playing more removal, more interactions, slower game plans, more value engines. Um, whereas now you sort of have to, you have to be prepared for um some stuff which is actually the next sub point that we're gonna get into here um so again a lot has changed since the last axe episode um there's a whole new world of things that you have to deal with of just just bullshit that you gotta contend with as stacks now <laughs> yeah for um, sure like the the fast decks are a lot faster and they have much cleaner win cons um, yeah. and so that i mean other than obviously Flash being banned is huge because it means rule of yeah. laws aren't a death sentence. But yeah. uh, but huge, the rest huge of it, improvement. you you definitely need to be very dedicated if you're trying to get stacks down ahead of these turbo decks. Yeah, um, a lot of it like really they were probably like 2017 era something like that. Like a turn three rule of law was probably going to be good enough a large percentage of the time. Um, that's not really keepable hand anymore. If your hand makes, like, turn three rule of law and you, uh, you're just trying to, like, play that and then do value stuff, like, you're, you're not doing much that game. You're, you're gonna get killed way before that or you're just gonna be, like, way too slow, so. Um, you gotta be faster, lower to the ground, and targeting some different stuff. Um, so specifically, right now, um, what you basically always have to be building toward targeting or you have to have plans to deal with, you have to have, a stacks package that works around 
uh, dealing or targeting uh, these effects are realistically, I mean, the three big ones right now are just uh, Oracle, Breach, and Dogside. Uh, and you need a plan, again, in your stacks package, in your game plan, to uh, stop, like, usually at least two out of three of these, if not all of them. Um, just because you, if you're not handling Oracle, or like if you're just handling Breach, but you're not handling Oracle, um, you're just going to get Oracle consulted. Uh, if you're not handling Breach, obviously that makes it incredibly easy to kill you, because if you're just like only playing Torpor Orbs and no Graveyard Hate, um, Breach self-assembles very, very quickly and very easily, um, and gets around that stuff really nicely. Uh, and then obviously, um, handling Dockside is sort of, um, it's less about covering win cons and more just about slowing your opponents down and giving you time because typically a lot of the way that you'll you'll lose games if you're not covering dockside if you're just uh um covering like again like if you just have like rest in peace and like a, like something to cover oracle i don't know um dockside can be a thorn in the side because you'll be trying to like deny all these resources and stuff and you're like okay i got like a oh actually this is a better example i i got like a um uh I got, like, a Blood Moon down, or I got, like, some Mana Denial that isn't an oof down, and then I have, like, Graveyard Coverage, and we're, like, we're good to go here, and then, like, suddenly your opponent's like, okay, cool. Dockside, make, like, 18 bajillion treasures, and then just, like, unload my hand on you, and you're like, oh, well, that sucks. Yeah, especially, especially, uh, I think Dockside is, like, the biggest fear if your Mana Denial is, uh, like, obviously if you're denying activated values of artifacts, you're fine, but, yeah. uh, Definitely one of the things I've I've experienced on on both ends and as a third player in the party is someone has like, you know, they've got a Thalia, they've got a Thorn, even a Trinisphere, and then yeah. someone goes like, Dockside, make 12 mana, I don't care. And you're like, well, yeah, yeah you know, that's a, it's a bit of a problem that, you know, it, it can, even if in and of itself it doesn't actually beat your stacks, it can get around uh it can get around your mana denial that makes it hard to deal with the other kinds of stacks that you have yeah exactly um, so that yeah, this next this next category is uh sort of the stuff that that you need to be prepared for coming after you um yeah and so the first one on this list uh and I, I'm, I'm sorry Ian uh is uh, is Winota. Um Winota is such a clock and such a beating and very popular and, and, and so is very stacks resilient in to a lot of the stacks effects that handle what we were just talking about. Um there are very few stacks effects that both deal with the above 3 that we just talked about and effectively handle Winota. Yeah. Um like it's very very easy to like you're playing out you know you you play like a deafening silence and then the Winota player plays like a mana rock and and a a creature and then you know you play your Thalia and they go cool Winota get a trigger like and then you know on turn like five they're getting six triggers they have thirty power in play and you've played I don't know three stacks pieces like a Timna. And or like a, yeah, like and a you're like kind of like... working towards winning, but also you know now they have like a they have a real rule of law, not just a deafening silence, and then then they you know found an Aven mind sensor or whatever, um, and it's just like it's such a beating, and if you don't have a plan to deal with it, which like 
killing Winota is a plan, as long as you can yeah. do it consistently. But if you don't have a plan to deal with it, and you don't have a way of racing it that it it struggles to interact with, um, you're just gonna get run over. Yeah, hundred percent. Um, like I think I think the Yasharn matchup is like is like yeah an like, actual nightmare. Favored. Yeah, I, I think that's like actually potentially like one of the most unwinnable matchups in the format of just like. Winota in the pod and you're playing Bashar and it's just like, okay, like, well, I guess I'm hardball getting to my one mana removal and then hoping that the game, like, doesn't go so long they're just like, okay, make land drops recast Winota. <laughs> yeah, I think actually the perfect illustration of this was um, at, uh, I think it was Marchesa 2022. Um, Ian was playing Winota, and Charles was playing, I think at the time it was Heliod, God of the Sun, but some mono-white stack stack, and yeah. uh, he, like, completely stacks, he had a super early Dranith that Ian couldn't remove, and, like, just completely stacks at the table, and was slowly beating them to death one by one, um, and it was like, Ian had gone without his commander for six or seven turns, and, uh, and, like, Charles had been, you know, making his two ones and just layering stacks piece after stacks piece after stacks piece. And and I was commentating, sitting there in the booth going, so Charles is going to win this game, but if that Dranith goes away, like, he's going to die and it's, like, it's going to be two turns. Yep. Like, there's going to be so many triggers, he's going to dump half his, the half the creatures in his deck onto the board. And, like, <laughs> like if this, if this Dranith goes away, even though He's at a stranglehold yeah. on the game for, like, five turns. He could just die in, in two. Yeah, he has his little, his little Dutch boy with his finger in the tight. Just like, okay, I hope this one sticks. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and then, like, a lot of the time you'll see in those games even, like, you, you don't even, as the sax player, you don't even have time to go after uh, the other two players a lot of the time with combat damage to, like, delay until hitting Winota, because a lot of the time they'll also just be drawing stuff off the top, like, okay, I'll cast this Rick, alright, draw, I'll play this Blade Historian, okay, draw, I'll play this, like, human flying stacks piece, like this, uh, Ring, Ring Wing Bear or whatever, or, like, just that kind of, or, like, uh, whatever it is, yeah, um, Glow Rider, and it's just like, okay, well, like, I'm also playing combat game, and you're drawing all the stacks for me, so you're gonna have to, like, kill me before, even if I can't cast my Winota, I, you're gonna have to kill me before I just, like, draw out of this naturally. Um, but yeah, the, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I was just gonna say like the next, the next threat. But if you have more to yeah, say on yeah, Winota, yeah. then uh, yeah. So the next one up here, uh, aside from Winota, is uh, classic forever enemy stacks, which is uh, basically just board wipes, board wipes in general. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot more of them now too, which is uh, not a great thing. Um. Obviously, the classics are Cyclonic Rift and Deluge. Um, those have been a continual uh, force against pushing against stacks for, like, basically the entirety of the lifespan of the format. Um, it's, like, really, really, really difficult to uh, play stacks and not have a plan for, like, somebody just making it to 7 mana naturally in Cyclonic Rifting, or just Toxic Deluging your board, resetting, and then, like, doing their own plan or somebody else's their plan. Uh, but along with those, we now have like stuff like Winds of Abandon and March of Swirling Mist as well, which is uh, not not helping. And to a lesser extent, um, like Force of Vigor is a is another yeah. big one. Um, 
where I mean obviously it's not it's not a sweeper, but blowing up for zero mana blowing up two stacks pieces can definitely uh change the texture of a board real fast. Yeah. Yeah. Especially and, and uh... the last yeah, the last thing that you sort of have to contend with is uh I mean we have it's mostly gonna be creature combos because as we said, stacks primarily needs to be targeting turbo. Um, yep. But, you know, whatever combo your stacks isn't targeting uh, is going to be a big one. And so, you know, if you're leaving creatures more or less untouched, like a deck with a Yisan in the 99, like that's, you know, that's something you have to yep. be very careful with. Um, yep. I, or... I remember, yeah, like there, there was a game that I was playing at a, I think it was, I think it was like tier one con or it was, it might've been an online game at some point. Anyway. I was playing like Sacred Druid against uh against a Winota player with like two I think it was two blue form decks in the pod. Um and I landed a Yisan and the Winota player is looking at their hand and they have like two Timna triggers in play or sorry, two Winota triggers in play with Winota um and like basically nothing else in hand um that would deal with it. They're like, I don't think there's a single thing that I could hit in my deck that deals with that Yisan just killing me two turns and i was just like yeah yeah pretty much um which just goes to show like there's you you might think that you have a lot of stuff covered and then like there are some lesser played win cons out there that uh you're just gonna lose sometimes if you uh don't have the full suite of answers available i definitely remember um kill stars had a really cool it was uh timnatana hermit pod yeah, Hermitpod's so cool. It just had, like, a bunch of different ways of, like, if you didn't have, you know, either search hate uh, or, like, you know, some kind of graveyard hate, it would just kind of be like, all right, well, everyone's stacked out. I'm just going to put out a Hermit Druid and, you know, <laughs> yep. can, can you deal with this one? No? Um, cool. <laughs> or or just pod kill you out of nowhere. Um, And those could both... I mean, pod is, at the very least, you have the advantage of a, a very common tactic in stacks is to shut off artifact activations, but yep. if you're not doing that, which a lot of lower-color, non-green stacks decks just can't afford to do because they yep. need to go fast, it uh, it can definitely be a big problem for you. Yeah. I think absolutely... I mean, like, we're talking about, like, I'm probably what I would consider to be, like, hyper-resilient win cons um, in context of the format in terms of, like, win cons that are both playable, um, that are, like, still playable, but are actually, like, resilient. Like, I think the activated ability ones are for that. But even not talking about those and just going a step up from those, there are a lot of win cons in the format that, like, stacks can have a bit of a tough time dealing with. Even stuff like, um, specifically, like, Lindhorn Malcolm, if you don't have the oof, that one is, like, not particularly easy to stacks out. You're like, alright, I mean, like, is it attack trigger, and then I have to, like, deal with them, like, activating a thing, and then it just does damage? So I have to have basically exactly either, like, Null Rods or Curse Totems to deal with that, uh, which a lot of the time people just don't have. Um, or just focus someone down. <laughs> the, yep. the secret, the secret <laughs> yep. way to turn off Glintorn. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, just... In general, I'm not going to go through, like, a list of things, but there are a lot of win cons out there that are weirdly resilient to certain types of stacks, and if you're playing the stack stack, you have to have a plan, or you have to just acknowledge and accept that you're going to lose to those sometimes. Um, 
which probably isn't where you want to be with stacks. I think there's uh the mindset for playing combo or um even like slower forms of like all in combo. Um, you could sort of have the mindset of like, well, I'm just gonna lose to stuff sometimes, and that's okay. I'm not gonna dedicate um, deck slots to not losing to like X like seven mana stacks piece um, that I shouldn't even be letting get down. It's hard to have that mindset with stacks because you're almost always taking the game longer, so you're just going to have everybody draw through more of their deck, and if there's just some strategy or some card in somebody's deck that you straight up can't beat, it's going to affect your win rate a lot more, it feels like. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's like a lot of, a lot of stacks is uh, dealing with dealing with time bombs like you're yeah. not gonna lose now but there's a whole bunch of ways you're gonna lose in you know four turns and you like you have to push it off now you can't you know your your, your deck isn't yeah. built to like immediately answer a threat it's like oh this person is is setting up their combo so i need to you know deny their mana but you know this other person has a bunch of cards in hand and i'm worried they might like remove a stacks piece and go for it so i need some protection for that and etc um and i think that's like one of the reasons that stacks is actually very very difficult to uh to play well is that you have to make all these decisions typically like well ahead of time and uh and like anticipate you know where these threats you know from which direction the threats the primary threats are going to be coming and and deal with them um on very incomplete information yeah it's also not just hard to play but also hard to improve at right because it's like the reason why you're gonna lose with stacks a lot of the time is because you made a mistake like five turns ago or four turns ago and it can be really difficult uh in a lot of games even looking through it after the game to like isolate where that misplay was uh, in your play patterns or like what what misstep in like evaluation or what you thought you needed to tutor or which thing you, need, you thought you needed to play first or if you need to target down um like where that mistake was in the first place which just makes it like so much harder to like review and like iterate on your own uh on your own process or your own uh skill uh but yeah cool so that's uh that's like most of the main stuff uh, that we were going to get through for in terms of what Stacks actually needs to contend with right now. Uh, just a general overview, so a pretty good idea. Uh, but now we're going to get into sort of uh, the types of Stacks uh, that you are very likely to see at tables and that you're very likely to consider for your own stack Stacks right now. Um, and we categorize these into some handy um, categories, but obviously these uh, sort of a lot of these bleed out of their the categories that we put them in and sort of affect other stuff as well. So um, don't don't like think that these are only categorized under uh, what we're going to go through. But is where we're going to go through these from top to bottom. Um, so the classic one that you will see basically everywhere in uh, almost every stack stack that sees play right now are uh, spell limitations or things that. Things that limit how many spells you can cast in a turn, what kinds of spells you can cast, uh, what CMCs of spells you can cast, etc., etc. Uh, classics, obviously, being rule of law, a huge one. We have, what, like five rule of laws now in Bottle White? Even more if you uh, go into like other colors or like colorless uh, cards. 
Um, uh, yeah, I guess there, there's five, or there's like, there's three full-blooded hard rule of laws, and then yep. two somewhat sl- <laughs> leaky rule Semi-rule of laws. rule of laws, yeah. <laughs> um, and then, obviously, stuff as well, like uh, Chalice of the Void, Archon of Valor's Reach, Sanctum Prelate, Lavinia. Um, I feel like there are probably a couple of others that we're missing as well, but, <laughs> yeah, like, well, just stuff that stops your opponent from casting things. Also, I just, I just want to note here, I think... You know, we were talking about making decisions ahead of time, anticipating threats. Yep. I think Sanctum Prelate may be the single most difficult card to play in the format. Yeah, honestly, it's so it's so insanely tough if you don't have perfect information of what like people have in hand and what they're going to draw of like figuring out what you need to name because Sanctum Prelate serves so many, or at least it can serve so many different roles uh depending on the pod texture and what you think people are likely going to have to do and what they have in their hand to get to those paths of like okay so renaming two to shut off a cyclonic rift or like a tainted pact or something or renaming one to shut off removal one mana removal zero maybe are you like going up even higher to shut off even like more specific things it's again if you don't have a if you don't have like git pro perfect information but very, but I mean like difficult. and and even though and, and even then yeah, yeah. Th- the correct answer is one or two like eighty percent of the time at least and it's still like you know you have it's still like incredibly difficult to figure out which one it's supposed to be even just between those two setting aside yeah. like is should it be zero should it be five like whatever yeah uh, uh yeah the yeah. Ne- the next category is ability denial. Um, so this is, um, you know, things, things that go after certain, uh, ways people use cards, uh, often, you know, enter the battlefield denial. So we've got like Torpor Orb and Hushbringer and, and that, uh, class of cards. Uh, we have, um, things that hate on, uh, certain ways of paying costs, like Yasharn says you can't sacrifice or pay life. I believe, uh, Angel of Jubilation Angel also of Jubilation. says you can't, uh, sacrifice though obviously it yeah. uh, doesn't see the same level of play um i think there are a couple of others that i'm forgetting as well probably oh there's so, wait there's a new like half yasharn right oh like the silexes yeah um there's also there are, like uh in these categories are things like um you know stony silence null rod yeah curse totem these are primarily played as mana denial which we have classed differently but they do also stop like Sometimes when you play uh, something like a, particularly I would say Lavinia is generally yeah. not played to deny mana. Or it's Limpala, played to rather. deny like Thrasios activations or yeah. uh, Yisan or or things like that. Um, but because you can even see this with a uh, with like rods and stuff like Wishclaw Talisman as well. Yeah, I'm. But but I would say like the reason you put the reason you would put a null rod in your deck is to deny your opponent's mana whereas the yes. reason you would put a lavinia in your deck is to deny Lavala. your creature combo or like creature activated ability centric deck opponents yes their exactly. ability to do whatever it is they're trying to do whether that's activating thrasios like it does hit their mana but it's generally you don't want to be playing four mana mana denial yeah exactly uh, uh yeah and then yeah and then I guess yeah, humility, bit of a bit of a weird one. It it kind of does a lot of things all at once. 
Yeah, it is incredibly difficult to play. Like the alt version of this is dress down, which isn't really a stack space. Um, so you know, it's sort of whatever. Yeah, uh, this is this is like another you know problem with with stacks that uh c- comes up a lot is you need to like often you are going to get in your own way at least a little bit. Like even decks that are built with the expectation of playing with a rule of law will often find it inconvenient that there's a rule of law in play. Um, you know, decks with Null Rods and Collector Roofs still play Mana Crypt and Sol Ring. Um, and, like, humility... So so when you're picking your win-cons and your stacks package, uh, you need some ability to win, and you can interfere with yourself a bit and have a bit of anti-synergy, but not too much. And I think humility... <laughs> Humility is almost always too much, is essentially the yep. issue. Yep. Uh, I think there are, like, two humility decks, and one of them isn't really a humility deck a lot of the time, and one of them is, like, not great. <laughs> so, <laughs> we have, like, what, exactly Shorakai and then a Timna Tibesh. Um... Uh, so aside from ability denial, uh, we also have um, a class that we've called card denial. Um, so this includes uh, a lot of... Uh, Sort of like a lot of different classes of effect, um, but like the primary two would be um, library searching denial and uh, card draw denial. Um, so classic two being opposition agent and notion thief. Although you could also get uh, a bit further down the list for both of these: even mind sensor, Ashiok, stranglehold, uh, spirit of the labyrinth, Narset, um, part of veils. Um, there are actually like a very decent number of. Uh, of effects for both of these at this point. Lean in uh, Arbiter as well. Um, yep. Which is... Yeah. I think I've seen Charles playing that one recently. Actually, I think Charles might just be on that one, like, continuously. It's a fun um, one. It also, if you yeah. are playing in a, an environment where... Yeah, you can definitely get people with that one. Yeah. Is it, that is a weird one to... Like, that That ability does not do what you think it does. Um, unless you've played with it, like, a bunch in, like, Modern or something. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess... I, so, I would say... It might be a little contentious to call Opposition Agent and Notion Thief in particular um, stacks pieces. Stacks, yeah. And, and I think there is some there's some truth to the fact that uh, the more things you have, like, essentially, stacks pieces compound, and yep. it, they compound to the point that uh, that, like, certain things that wouldn't be stacks on their own kind of become stacks like yeah you wouldn't say oh i'm stacked out when there's an opposition agent but like when there's a a thalia and a null rod and a rule of law and like all this and you're just like you're trying to you know peel back these layers of stacks someone having an op agent like absolutely makes it way harder to peel back the layers yeah, of stacks. it feels, feels backbreaking when you're like, oh my god, I, like, I have all these tutors stuck in my hand I can go find answers for this board and I just like can't access anything. It's like, yeah, you feel like you're just getting your back broken, getting baned. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, actually, I feel like we're probably missing something for card denial, but um, anyway. Uh, I mean, I don't know, there's there. like, I there's like chains, but I don't know. That, <laughs> sure. Yeah. Pretty... Okay. Yeah, all right. <laughs> um. Uh. Morgan already touched on this uh, earlier as well, so uh, I'll give them this next category. 
Sure. So so next up we have uh, mana denial, um, and this can take a few forms. And uh, obviously, so uh, the big one we talked about, you know, with with dockside and breach, uh, you're you know looking at your artifact hate, collector roof, stony silence, null rod. I think these are probably like the maybe calling them the premier stacks pieces isn't exactly right but they're yeah they're relatively easy to play and very strong to play yes um, yeah and i think like if if this effect didn't exist it would make the life of stacks players a lot harder oh yeah um, i think more like, than more I, than any other effect on this list i think i had i think that was one of my takes in an episode a few months ago um of like oof being one of the most important cards printed uh like in the last couple of years just because like it it feels like oof props up like uh green stack stacks like super super hard in terms of like being able to consistently have access to a rod effect is uh incredibly powerful in the current meta yeah um, i think it was in the context gives you a of a lot the, of game of discussing the impact of a set of sets Oh sure, and you put right. and you put Modern Horizons one very high. Oh sure, primarily yeah, yeah, based yeah. on, okay, on gotcha. Collector Roof. Yeah. Um, yeah. Next up, we have creatures. Um, as we said, Linvala is typically not played for mana denial just because she's too slow and expensive, but Curse Totem absolutely is. Um, we have various ways of messing with people's lands. This can be like Blood Moon or Magus of the Moon, as well as Back to Basics and Winter Orb, and then also sort of Static Orb. Um, yeah or also like uh i guess like urza uh oh i'm forgetting the name of the card not storage matrix is it storage matrix or is the oh uh it's just yeah storage matrix the one where you oh, okay only I, get I to untap one matrix. type of permanent yeah. Yeah. yeah um and then we have uh the slowing effects like uh primarily this is making things enter tapped so you've got you know blind obedience root maze the new thalia um archon of uh or sorry Archon of Emeria has the, yeah. the non-basics entering tapped clause. Um, particularly, I would say artifacts are important for that one um, because that's... Well, it doesn't fully stop Dockside. It, like, it gives you a turn's notice. It gives you a which turn, is... which can be huge. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And then it gives you a turn to, to turn to the other players in the pod and go... I know you're slowly being strangled <laughs> yep. by the stacks, but that guy's going to untap 14 <laughs> treasures, so maybe we deal with that first deal? Yep. Um, or even, honestly, like, having a... Be able to, like, land, a, like, a root maze early and then, like, gives you time to be like, oh, okay, I need to actually, like, use this tutor to go find an actual factual uh, null rod now. Yeah. Or something like that. Uh, and then the last, the last uh, category of mana denial is... Uh, things with things that add upkeep um this is primarily going to be uh the t the tabernacle of pendral veil uh or kataki energy flux and aura flux exist but don't <laughs> technically <really>. exist <laughs> i have played energy flux but i'm weird uh i have definitely played some energy flux in my day yeah um and you know just forcing people to pay for uh <laughs> to, to keep their permanence uh taxes their mana and uh more a little bit more generically than uh than specifically turning off a type of effect yep uh next up we have uh tax effects very similar to upkeep and uh sort of like pretty tightly related to mana denial um but this is just stuff like uh 
Thorn of Amethyst, Spheres, Thalia, obviously, um, Trinisphere, um, just anything that uh, puts additional mana requirements on the spells that you're casting. Um, these have sort of, uh, they're like s sort of fallen out of favor a bit, um, his like since how much they've historically been played. Obviously, Thalia is still an amazing stacks piece in a lot of cases. Uh, but I think a lot of stacks players, um, relatively recently, talking within the last couple of years here, um, have sort of found that they've had like some problematic play patterns around tax effects. Um, in terms of like, if you don't have a rule of law in play, but you have a tax effect in play, it's likely that the people who would otherwise be holding up interaction are going to instead prioritize their own development and just sort of like have a tendency to tap out whilst having counter magic in hand, just because they have to pay all this extra mana for the things that they're doing. Um, so yeah. we've sort of, yeah. And, and the other, the other issue is I think these are the ones that, ha that line up the least effectively by themselves against Dockside. Like yeah. you can, you can layer even two or three of them. Maybe th maybe three is still a lot, but like if you have Thalia and and Vryn Wingmare, like you're you're still depending on what the board looks like, you can very easily be sitting there going, "God, I hope no one has a Dockside." Like yep. you know, they yep, just 100%. they play it, they make like nine mana, they overload their Psych Rift or cast Deluge or whatever. Uh, well, I and mean, still have mana left over <laughs> to. As an illustrative example, uh, Cole is a deck that you would intuitively believe sort of just, like, hard loses to, like, any tax effect, considering a core piece of the deck is playing stuff that discounts your cards, such as, you know, like, Bergy or, like, equip discounters or stuff like that. Um, so you would intuitively think that, like, oh, okay, so if you play a Thalia, you're doing, like, the exact opposite, and you're, like, nullifying the Bergy or whatever, right? And you would be correct, except for the fact that Dockside ex exists and lets you just, like, do Dockside loops instead, which, again, like, bypasses all of this so easily um, compared to, like, any other stacks effect. So, just sort of case in point. Yeah, and and uh, I think the last, the last category to touch on is what we've labeled uh, Zone Denial, which is basically just anything that stops people from accessing different parts of the game. So the graveyard with stuff like Rest in Peace, Grafdigger's Cage, Douthy Voidwalker, uh, the and there's a couple other of those effects that that see some amount of play. Um, yeah, Weathered Runestone. Yeah. Um, I think people have historically tried a bit of Nether Void. I wouldn't be surprised if people were still playing a bit of that, but that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and then there's uh, stopping access to the library, and by this we don't mean uh, searching, we mean like either casting or pulling permanents out, so this is again Grafdigger's Cage and Weathered Runestone, um, as well as Drandeth Magistrate, which hits all the zones. Just, just, yeah, just all the above. Just no. <laughs> including the command zone, which, uh, yep. you know, maybe it should but hey, here we are. Um, <laughs> but hey, it does, and you can use it to deal with Winota. <laughs> yeah. Um, so just, you know, making sure that your opponents, uh, like a lot of these, a lot of the things we're talking about rely on, you know, it rely on casting or accessing cards from different zones. Um, obviously, Breach casts from the graveyard. Lots of these creature combo decks are playing... To board tutors, green suns, finale, yep. neoform, eldritch, shutting all of those off can definitely buy you a lot of time, particularly against those things that the rest of your stacks doesn't necessarily hit super well. Yeah, 
Uh, Also, that is, I think, like, the single best stacks piece to play against Winota. Yep. The number of times that I've... Number of times that we've played, uh, specifically against Pongo on stream, um, but just at Winota in general, where one of us will be playing a cage deck, like you know, Orvar, Yorian, etc., um, and have like a turn one cage, and then Winota does like basically nothing for the entirety of the game because they have to like find it out to this that like really is like not super common uh, to draw in that deck, um, and it comes down so early that you can just sort of like fit it in whenever you have an extra mana on one of your turns. Just hyper-powerful. I mean, wait, what do you mean Winota does nothing? You get to look at the bottom six cards <laughs> of your library. <laughs> that, hey, that is true. <laughs> uh, actually, I, I do think... I, I mean, I've had this opinion for a bit, but I think the uh, probably the next development in stacks, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see if it's the uh, like the Draft Diggers, the Draft Diggers Cage uh, stacks deck. Yeah, I know. I mean, you, you've been working on your... Uh... Your Tim yeah, which is deck, which <laughs> really more again a proof of concept and sort of like a, a fun thing, but obviously like the uh, I I think there there are some like interesting concepts there, and I wouldn't be surprised if like um specifically with some uh new card printings or some more powerful card printings or maybe like uh, Wincon or so that like uh, does pretty well through it. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see people really start experimenting with Cage because it's probably the most powerful um non played stacks effect right now. That, yeah, like, I, I certainly think it's valuable. it's underplayed, and like even certain. Yeah, I, I see a lot of decks that feel like they could afford to play it, like almost for free, and right. and they just kind of don't. And and it seems so strong against like if you're a Staxi deck or a slower deck, it's uh really good against like the things that threaten those slower decks, like the creature combo decks. And if you're a faster deck, it can just, like, delay other fast decks a turn or two, uh, because they can't breach through it, and, uh... And it doesn't, like, it doesn't interfere with your mana at all, it doesn't interfere with your primary game plan, if you're, like, if you'd be playing it, like, you can still draw your cards, you can still cast spells, you still have all your mana, and it's just, like, super easy to play. (laughs) And it costs a single colorless to cast, like, that's so, so very easy to fit into a turn somewhere. Yep. And also, I mean, being able to, obviously being able to get it with stuff like uh, uh, Urza Saga and Friggin' Mage is nice, but uh, really just like having access to it at all. Yeah, especially uh, especially with Urza Saga, that's a... I've definitely got a bunch of people uh, <laughs> yep. who was like, oh, are you, what are you getting? Uh, getting Mana Vault, getting Soul Ring, or like, you know, something spicier like a top, yeah. or like a Ooh, Aether like Spell Bomb. Or something? It's like, Ooh. surprise, <laughs> there's a Graphic Cage in play. <laughs> uh, cool. So that's the, uh, those are sort of the categories of stacks that we've labeled a bit, just for help and maybe internal categorization if you want to uh, think about stuff. But again, like, as we sort of mentioned, some of these bleed over, and uh, they can certainly uh, splash into other areas, um, as always. Um, and so the the last main topic that we're going to talk about uh, in the context of stacks here um, is how stack decks win uh, right now. More specifically, what win cons they're playing. <laughs> um, because if you ask me how stack decks win, uh, my answer might be that they don't really right now. But I don't know. Here we'll see. What's the, what's the last time? Like, what's the best a stack deck has done in tournament recently? I mean, like it really depends on deck. on what you like, count. If we're if we're talking about yeah, like a fair. dedicated stack deck. Uh, I 
Uh, there have been some. Uh, <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I can't. There, sorry, of, like but I, there have I, been some. Yeah, all, all the tournaments sort of blend together, and it's really hard yeah, to like yeah, yeah, yeah. which it, tournament to was that. What what's 16s. recent? Yeah. But um, yeah. like yeah, certainly it is. It is a very difficult. Um, it's a very difficult uh, strategy to be on. I mean, I think it stack stacks right now are a little bit weak. Like dedicated stack stacks are are a yeah. little bit weak, um, and then I think they're also often very difficult to pilot, and particularly yeah. difficult to improve at piloting because, as we said, the way you get information and feedback um, is like very abstracted. Yeah. So, um, and and, and also, there is some truth like to time. <laughs> uh, people don't like playing them in no stakes games and so it's hard to develop a lot of skill or like if you're not going to play them in low stakes games then you're not going to get good and if you like if you want to get in easily get in low stakes games there's a lot of incentives not to play a hard stacks deck because uh just always having to expect to sit down for you know, way too long is, uh, <laughs> not way too long, but expecting all <laughs> yeah. of your games to take a very long time is, is, is sort of yeah, something that, tough I sell. Mean, yeah, a lot of players don't want, and also, unfortunately, there is some truth to a lot of opponents don't want, uh, and, Even uh, to the point where people will actively remove stacks because just their game go shorter, especially yeah, in, like, like pe people, on yeah. whatever game. Yeah. Certainly that is, and that is, like, that is very unfortunate. Hope it does happen a bit in tournament too, but hopefully not as much. Um, but uh, yeah, just like I'm gonna remove a stacks piece, even though you know it may be a bit unwise. But you know, like like you might, if your options are you know sit here for another half hour or you know flip a slightly unbalanced coin against you, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some people will pick the coin. Um, and and also, in tournament, it is a common problem. Just people play slowly, and it's really yep. hard to get games wrapped up. Like, long games, 10-turn games where people can't do things, it's hard to get those wrapped up in, you know, 75 minutes very often. Uh, which is unfortunate, and I think it's something that, like, tournament organizers, tournament players need to work on. Maybe we can... Uh, cover that some more in another episode, but it does make playing stack stacks very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, but we're here to tell you how to hopefully not run into many of those problems. <laughs> we're going to tell you how to play not. stacks, not how to not play stacks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so there, there are a few co uh, common uh, stacks win cons. I would say the most popular, probably like by far out of like basically any stack stack that actually plays win cons uh, are kiki combos. Um, they're just like super compact, easy to put together, especially when you're in uh, base Naya. Um, even when you're not, not in base Naya, there's like still like they tend to be pretty accessible. Half of it is a, a goblin. There are a bunch of goblin tutors even if you're not in your team. Um, and there's a lot of and they just see on the other half. And... Yeah, exactly. Um, and they just. When, when you are in the colors required, they just sort of, like, self-assemble off of cards that you would probably be playing anyway. Stuff like, like, Survival of the Fittest that you're, like, totally okay with playing. 
um the birthing pod effects are almost never bad on their own just because you're you know, like if you don't have a combo or you can't go for the combo you can just like upgrade your dorks into stack pieces or upgrade stack pieces to better stack pieces etc etc um so there there's a good reason why you see uh like just a huge percentage of stack stacks playing kiki combos as their core uh their core win cons yeah uh next up we have uh locks and these are can be a little bit sketchy but this is typically um ideally you do these with Dranith magistrate um and that's uh ubermask uh, knowledge pool or possibility storm um, which I guess is also a, a stacks piece that we didn't exactly cover, but uh, yeah. uh, it's, <laughs> it's it's hard to it's classify. Almost, yeah, um, I guess like just a chaos thing, but yeah. like, there are not a lot of chaos effects that C play in CDH. Yeah. Um, These locks can also be done uh, either slightly more in a slightly more fragile way or um, in a more symmetrical way uh, with rule of laws. In the case of um, rule of laws, in the case of um, uh, knowledge pool and possibility storm as well as um, Lavinia plus knowledge pool which is <laughs> an uncomfortably soft lock and also one fragile. that that isn't uh, I guess Lavinia possibility storm isn't uh, doesn't struggle to actually win the game the way that knowledge pool does because you don't have to put your own win cons in the same yeah, kind of jeopardy exactly. but um yeah, the, that's a common thing to assemble um, because typically these lock pieces, or sorry, these lock pieces are, it's a, a two card lock with a stacks piece that's already good on its own. Um, yeah, and yeah so, which, which is the, the big reason. Yeah, you're playing five rule of laws and your commander, you know, wins the game in a board stall. Like, this is, you know, the game plan of Kenrith stacks. Kenrith. Like, sure, throw in a possibility storm. If I can get Draneth, great. If I can't, no one being able to cast spells from hand probably means I win if I'm playing Kenrith. Yeah. Um, next up, uh, we have uh, Reanimator. A uh, vast majority of the time is going to be Razaketh. Um, Razaketh uh, in stack stacks is sort of interesting in terms of um, if you're like just playing tax effects and maybe like oofs and maybe some. Maybe some like mana denial and like uh, asymmetrical effects like opposition agent. Uh, this can be pretty easy to slot in um, because a lot of that doesn't really interfere with the core combos. Um, the awkwardness sort of comes a lot more when you're trying to play rule blaws in the same deck as Razaketh, um, especially in like non blue versions of Razaketh where your win cons that you're actually fetching off of the cat activation are uh, a bit worse and a bit tougher to assemble uh, in general. Um, but you'll still see a lot of. Uh, like Mardu decks or uh, Abzan decks, uh, sort of like a lot of the time it's like three color stacks, um, rarely four or five color stacks. Um, playing stuff like Razaketh with only creature rule laws is a common trick where the idea is that you've been a Razaketh and then even if you have a rule of law in play, you can reanimate the Razaketh and use it as a sack outlet to get rid of all like the creature based stacks that's stopping you. Um, personally, not a huge fan of that strategy. I feel like going shields down. Uh, a lot of that stuff can backfire a lot of the time, but um, obviously it does great work. It's still a uh, great win con, especially for a stack stacks that uh, don't have red or maybe don't have a good combination of red and green together uh, to effectively assemble Kiki combos. I definitely like it a lot more um, now that Priest of Fell Rights exists. Yeah, um, that, that's because then you have this one. you have this self assembling combo 
or like you, you know you can assemble very easy with like fauna shaman and survival of the fittest and you can get a razageth into play without casting a spell um, yeah. which is huge because first of all it's a lot easier to win through through a rule of law if you haven't cast a spell yet and second you can you know have some kind of protection like you can go silence do this um, yeah things like that and it can just be really hard for your opponents to interact with a lot of the time um even even if there is no rule of law just going like cool i'm gonna play free priest of fell rights like <laughs> what are you gonna do counter it like great good luck. Cool. <laughs> um and and so yeah i think that this is a strategy also that will only get better as uh watsi seems determined to put every new stacks effect on a creature or like almost yep. every new stacks effect and and making them asymmetrical yep <laughs> i mean even even if they continued even if they kept them symmetrical um i think that able to sack them is just being able to sack them means that you know if you could play a like if deafening silence was a creature then you could play basically every stacks piece you wanted in something like right. uh tim to kodama and just have them all be creatures and just munch them all when you want to combo off um yeah i guess you wouldn't have the redundancy for collector roof but there's as we said yeah, there's five fine. white rule of laws four of them are creatures or i guess three of them are creatures because Deafening, deafening science and literal rule of law aren't creatures. Yeah. Um, but you, like, you still have three of them, and then Oof, Thalia, Creature Weed Produce, Mare. four of these. Yeah. yeah. Uh, next up, we have uh, commander based combos. Um, you know, this obviously it's going to vary from, from deck to deck, but if you have, you know, I mean, Goto isn't a stacks deck, but it has certainly played some stacks in the past with the plan yeah. of, hey, if there's a possibility storm, I just play my commander and win. Or, like, it's Blood Moon obviously doesn't really impact it. Um, Yisan, again, I mean, Yisan would play a lot of stacks if it could. It's it's mostly just limited yep. by the lack of stacks in its colors. But if you could play Rule of Laws with Yisan in the command zone, I mean, I guess Sisei's kind of that, um, but yeah not not the best um yeah uh i think i feel like there are a couple other ones as well but like i wouldn't be surprised if there was uh again like some red malcolm stacks deck out there or something that do that as well um yeah uh and then we're we're probably missing a few but yeah yeah i guess Um, lastly we just have good old-fashioned damage yeah um this is Definitely, as we get better combat steroids printed, especially going into command sense, becoming a larger and larger consideration. Obviously, we were talking about Winota, but even stuff like Jet Mirror is absolutely massive. Um, the classic old school ones are still around and still potentially playable. Stuff like Alice Norn, Crobax, uh, Corbax. One of those is a Factorio enrichment process, and one of them is a magic card. Crobax uh, is a magic card. Okay, cool. Coverx is Factorio. Coverx, there you go. <laughs> um, but yeah, it certainly as they continue printing more stuff as well, like uh, even stuff like Blade Historian Rick. Uh, I I think like there are some uh Absent decks out there even right now that are starting to play like Combat Steroids uh, in the ninety nine. Um, stuff like uh, Muriel and Adeline as well. Obviously, um, just uh. There's big beaters uh, in the 99 that help you just get people dead fast. Um, Sarah Ascendant, obviously, also being a classic. The best strategy. 
Um, Rafine in the in the ninety nine. Big fan. <laughs> God, uh, yeah. Dude, Rafine is. It's so close to just being like a fantastic combat turret, except for the fact that if you want it to be a great combat turret, you're just like leaving yourself with a handful of plans. <laughs> yes, that is uh, a <laughs> problem. <laughs> Bit of an issue. Um, but yeah, so those are like sort of the the main win cons uh, that are being utilized in stacks right now. Um, I think if we went back to the previous episode. We were probably only looking at key combos and commander-based combos, uh, for the most part. Um, maybe some, like, weird creature-based stuff, uh, but realistically, yeah, this is most of what you're gonna see. Um, I guess one that we sort of missed here is, like, Emiel stuff. Um, Emiel's sort of a, uh, a lot of the time it tends to be, like, sort of this, like, second-tier win-con, in terms of it's sort of your secondary, uh, go-to, uh, in a lot of, um, particularly Naya plus decks, because you can be on, like, Maybe you're not on uh, Collector Roof, or you're on, like, Light Oof stuff, so you can go, like, Dockside, M.E.L., and that wins under a rule blob, or um, far more, uh, maybe traditionally, but M.E.L. hasn't been along, around that long, um, like M.E.L. plus a Village Bell Ringer, or cards of that sort, um, to make him in a mana and sink it into Commander. Yeah, or or finding a way to untap it with Cradle, or untap Cradle. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Faldar Guardian being the classic there. Um, but yeah, cool. Uh, so I think that's actually pretty much just our main topic. I'm just giving an overview of uh, how Stacks is looking in uh, 2023, sort of like what type of effects you're expecting to see, what you might consider when building a Stacks deck. Um, I guess we didn't really get into the full thing of like how to piece together packages and uh, win cons and stuff, but I feel like we've... <laughs> As always, we have this discussion every time we uh, do an episode that even tangentially relates to a previous episode. I'm sure we've covered <laughs> that kind of conversation in at least three separate previous episodes in some form or another. Yeah, we, we've um, certainly, we've talked about stacks, we've talked about deck building, um, but it is, like, I think it is interesting, you know, obviously we've noted that the, you know, the common stacks win cons are quite different from the things you're trying to be targeting. And I, I do actually think um that there there are stacks packages that like can work uh as like a lot of it is is finding the right win cons in the right colors because yeah. i do think like sort of the traditional when people think of stacks decks they're generally thinking about like a rule of laws and null rods yeah and those are great and they do shut down like the standard grixis shell but there are other sets of stacks effects that shut those down as well, um, that leave different things open. So, you know, we talked a bit about uh, Reed's uh, cage yeah. plus, it, it, it's cage plus, um, like, Torpor Orb, right? Yeah. And then, so they don't have Dockside, they don't have Oracle, they don't have Breach, um, and then, obviously, But you still get like to that, cast all your spells. And, something like yeah. that, you're probably going to want to be in blue, just because, like people resolving an ad nauseum is going to be a problem if you're not going after their mana somehow. Yeah. Um, but, like, you know, there there are other ways to try and go after... I could see, you know, particularly, I think, stacks packages involving torpor orbs and maybe cutting one of the common includes in stacks, I think, yeah, are potentially, potentially an underexplored yeah. space if you can find the right commander and colors to make it work. And Woodcon, um, obviously. Uh, of course, the uh, the problem with the uh, Torps like being in uh, white-blue is that 
or especially like white, blue, black, is that you would really like to be able to play Thoracle, but Torkworm sort of shut that off, so. Man, if you could, if you could Kiki combo through Torpor Orb. <laughs> be a, yeah, it would be a great one. Um, but I, I'm sure there's, isn't there like the, just, wait, does Champion work through Torpor? Anyway, I'm not going to get too deep into the weeds on this one, but. Um, I guess, um, yeah, the, uh, wait, is that what it's called? The uh, Combat Celebrant works through Torpor. Oh, yeah, I guess so. Um. Oh, but don't, no, 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 because Combat Celebrant only works with Twin, right? Because you need to attack with a Kiki. No, I think, wait, I'm pretty sure Combat Celebrant untaps all your creatures. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, realistically, a lot of this stuff is either waiting for somebody to come up with a good win con or waiting for a good win con to be printed. Um, unfortunately, a lot of the time, again, like, I think this is sort of like a recurring theme is like stacks is sort of just like limited by the win cons that you can play. And, um. Uh, what stack sort of fits around those win cons rather than the other way around because you do need to be able to win the game. Obviously, like, included in win cons are, like, again, just uh, commanders that get people dead very quickly or um, cards in the deck that get people dead very quickly that you can find consistently. Uh, but it's, 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 hard to, it's hard to construct entire, like an entire stacks package without even consulting what win cons you're going to have then try to fit a win con into it right now just because it's a... We're we're a bit limited in terms of like the scope of uh win cons that can win through certain kinds of stacks. Yeah. This this is definitely and this is also you know, a topic we won't get deep into. Why I think like out of all the discussions we have, like why I think a Thorical ban would be great. Just right. because I, I think that the biggest problem facing stacks decks right now is that going after Turbo Decks mana isn't in Yeah. Yeah, bit, bit. and and I think um, Thoracle's a big part of that. Yeah, Th Thoracle just sort of like adding a completely separate axis that you have to attack uh, to the decks is definitely a huge issue. And we saw, obviously, we saw basically the exact same thing happen um, with Flash Plus Thoracle, where you can try to go after the graveyard or go after like creature uh, mana, um, but you still have to contend with uh, Thoracle just sort of winning on the spot, um, even through those effects. So. Um, it's sort of interesting to see a similar problem crop up a couple of years later. Although maybe not crop up, maybe maybe we're just continually stuck with the same issue. But you know, <laughs> uh, cool. So that's uh that's our second stacks episode, stacks twenty twenty three episode. Um, and uh, I think we're good to get into uh, or rather get off of our main topic and get into uh some uh other stuff. Um, we actually have a couple of listener questions in here. Um, we are going to skip, uh, the gut check for this episode, uh, as it's sort of hard to make a gut check with only two people. If one of you has to come up with a gut check and sort of like <laughs> hold it for the other person. Um, but that being said, we do actually have in our uh, patron channels, we have a gut check submission channel. So if you'd like to submit some, uh, for us to go through and answer, um, then feel free. If you're a patron, if you're not a patron, you can become a patron very easily and uh, go submit that if you have a burning gut check that you want to uh, get us Great to answer. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you get us to answer on the podcast. Uh, but for now, uh, we're just going to hop right into listener questions, uh, which we do have two of. Um, first off, from Two Hand Touch, uh, we have a question of, in general, when people add a merge zone to decks, did it take the uh, slot of a land or the slot of a spell? And I think we can probably expand this out to... Um, 
even more generally like uh, utility lands that aren't emergent zone stuff like Beseju, old Beseju, um, uh, even like colorless like draw lands or colorless lands that are sort of like part of combo packages stuff like Treasure Vault and Kinnon. Um, how would you how would you count those cards? Uh, I think it really depends on uh, the deck and how it functions with a colorless land in it. Uh, a lot of the time for me. Um, and especially if it's like a tap land, like how you function with a tap land. I think a lot of the time in like lower color decks, especially mono color decks, you can just sort of count it as a land as long as you're not playing too many of the colorless lands. Um, but as soon as you start getting up to like four color, three color, five color, um, you really have to start considering like, okay, this might not actually be a part of my mana base. I have to like be able to produce all of the mana and colors required on its own. And then like, we'd sort of add this in and like maybe count it as like half a land slot or just a full spell slot. I mean, so my general view is that if you can't support it as a land slot, you... there are exceptions, but I would say you should lean a towards just not running it. Um, mm. Maybe the exception is exactly Beseju, because I think as a spell, it's very strong compared to most of these other Utility effects, lands. which are yeah. pretty weak as spells and sort of rely on being treated as a land to make up most of their potential value. Right. Um, so, so my view is, if you can't support it as a land... Or you should generally be viewing it as a land if you're going to be playing it. And if if you can't, because, for example, your color requirements are too high, there's probably an actual spell that does whatever it is you want better. Um, and yeah, I... Like uh, any, like, draw engines for, um, like, the draw lands or, uh, like, yeah, like, mana production or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so, like, I think people do have a tendency to... Stuff just like, you know, sometimes I see people complain about mana consistency, and then it's like, okay, well, what what lands are you, what like colorless lands are you running? I was like, oh, well, you know, I've got Ancient Tomb. It's like, okay, sure, you know, and Urza Saga and Emergent Zone, and you know, like uh, Boseju and Odawara and a basic, and it's like, well, okay, we're up to you know, <laughs> seven or eight lands that tap yeah. for either colorless or only one color, you know, cavern of souls, like all of this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and I think, yeah, generally you want to be able to support it as a landslot and you don't want to play. Like if, if that's putting strain, if supporting it as a land puts strain on your mana base, you should be looking towards actual spells. Yeah. I definitely I think I agree there. Although again, there are exceptions. Uh, I think the big one would probably be Emergent Zone and Corbold, um, especially in the Necromancy or the Necropotence versions of the deck. Um, just like needing the crop rot target to go be able to do stuff uh, and end step is pretty important. But yeah, unless you're doing stuff like that with it, it's a uh, yeah. You, you just want, sort of want to view it as a um, spell or just not play it and look for alternatives. Um. And then, uh, second, we have another one. Uh, Morgan, I'll let you have this one. Uh, okay, sure. It's a, a bit of a long one. You sort of shortened but, uh, it down a bit, yeah. We, we, we did touch on this a bit in our urine review, um, but uh, for Manta Ray Hat, uh, we have, with roughly 1,900 new cards printed in 2022, do you think, 
because let's not kid ourselves, WotC is going to keep pushing as many new products, and especially Commander new products as they can. Uh, they continue printing so many new cards will be good or bad for the format. Um, what I'm trying to get across is basically, is 2,000 new cards per year good or bad for CDH, assuming that the volume means at least a few of them will be playable. So I think, uh, I'd say like an un, probably an unanticipated, uh, downside, uh, maybe not like for the health of the format, um, but just having so many new cards means that people are just going to get like burned out of the format <laughs> really, really easily, uh, because we are playing a format where every card that gets printed is going to be legal unless it's in an unset and has an acorn mark. Um, so you just have, like, everybody in the format trying to keep up with every new product that gets released, uh, in a year, and just, like, having such a hard time keeping it all together and making sure that you're aware of everything. Yeah, I, I, so I, I actually, I think that it's not bad for the format. It's bad for, you know, my mental health, but, um... <laughs> Like, and, and I think it's, you know, product fatigue is very, very real, but I actually think this year I'm not particularly upset by very many, or like 2022, I'm not particularly upset by very many cards that were printed. I think Beseju, they missed a little high, um, Odawara just annoys me on principle because I think... <laughs> I, I think like the the blue yeah, land of that cycle it. just should have been trash. But yeah. um <laughs> should have been like a mill spell. But um setting that aside, like the if you look at the best cards that were printed over this last year, uh I think they're a lot less unhealthy than certainly than twenty twenty. Uh I mean twenty nineteen had Dockside, twenty twenty had Oh, jeez, let's run the whole freaking list, right? Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> Hull Breacher, Op Agent, Jewel Lotus, Oracle, Breach, um, SWAT, Fierce Guardianship. Like, these cards are even, are I think, better than than anything we've seen this year. And I think uh, yeah. net unhealthy. So I'm, I'm not actually too upset by much that was printed this year, um, which is impressive considering how many freaking cards they printed. Um, so... I I think as long as they continue to not uh to not like mess up that way, I'm largely fine. And I also think um like them flooding as long as and it seems like they have largely acknowledged that printing they have to be careful printing five color commanders that don't cost Wooberg to cast. Um and as long Thank as they God. maintain oh, that Lord. I also think like Printing juiced low color commanders uh, is largely fine. Um, you know, please no more partners. But as long as they don't do that, and as long as they don't print busted five color stuff, um, I'm actually pretty happy. Even, even though, like, if you'd asked me in 2020, hey, they're, or if you told me in 2020, hey, two years from now, they're going to be printing like three times as many cards in a year. I would have, that would have filled me with dread. Looking yep. back, I'm okay. I think, uh, I think I mostly agree. I think just the one thing for me is, uh, 
having such a high quantity of commanders being printed um, is a bit iffy in my eyes. Even if um, we're getting the same number of Bible commanders every year, or the same number of, like, you know, CDH power level commanders every year, and they're just adding more in terms of uh, just new commanders with, like, unique takes for um, people playing and just, like, normal EDH to build decks around. Uh, I still think there's, like, there's a bit of an issue with, uh, maybe not like, maybe not call it an issue, but uh, there might be a bit of um, a problem with having like a solidified meta to look at or point to at any point in time, where if they just sort of keep printing like new, new, new commanders, um, and again, like, I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but it's, like, a bit of a concern for my end, just, like, trying to get new players into the format and getting, like, people acquainted with the format. It, it, I, I have concerns about, like, oh, yeah, like, so every, like, every top 16 is, like, two partners decks, and then, like, 14 decks that have never seen uh, top 16 in a tournament before, and probably won't again for, like, another year or so, or if they ever do. And you just, like, look at tournament results or event results or whatever and it's just like wow there's like these are all completely different decks and i have no idea um what i'm gonna see next which is like great from a novelty point of view but like isn't particularly great with like you know like getting people up to speed and getting people acquainted with the format i mean yeah i i think that i don't know it's a it's a it's a tough line to walk because you know i certainly i'm not i wouldn't be happy with you know, the top 16 of every format being 14 partner, four-color partner decks, and then... Yeah, no, no, of course, and I, and I wouldn't cards. want that, right? Like, I, 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 don't, I don't want... I don't want homogeneity at the top end of the format. I, I don't want top 16s to be filled with partner decks or filled with, like, the the three two-color decks that we've deemed as being, like, good or whatever, right? Like, I, I want there to be diversity. It's just that, like, when you get it past a certain point of, like, now every, like... And we're not at that point yet. Don't get me wrong. Like I don't have concerns about like our current format. I think we're actually in a pretty great place in terms of diversity right now. I think there's like it's awesome to see people coming up with new takes on uh, commanders and new decks while still having like some form of like a semi-crystallized metagame that you can sort of point to and try to metagame around. Um, I just have concerns with the future of like if they're gonna ramp up commander printing even more. Like what does that mean for um for Again, like, more specifically, like, new players trying to get into the format and, like, keep track of what's going on. Yeah, there, there is, there there can be a growth-limiting effect when it's it's difficult to get an accurate format impression from any source because everything's just changing so fast. Yeah. Uh, but cool. So I hope we answered y'all's questions uh, sufficiently, satisfactorily. Um... And if anybody listening would like to submit your own listener questions for answering on a podcast, uh, we have a couple of channels in our Discord that you can come in and uh, submit through. Uh, there's a public listener question submission channel uh, that you can join right now. We have a link in the description. You can uh, go into our Discord and submit one if you'd like it to be answered. Uh, and we actually have a priority listener question channel as well for patrons. So if you're a patron and you would like to have your question answered, feel free to post it up there. And we'll try to get to it as soon as possible. Um. But aside from that, uh, I think that about wraps it up for this episode. Um, if y'all would like to reach out to us with any co- uh, comments, questions, or concerns, you can contact us on Twitter at IntoTheNorthPod. 
via our email at infothenorthpodcast at gmail.com or on our Discord server, the invite link for which can be found in the description for this episode. An extra special thanks to all of our patrons who help cover the expenses for our show and allow us to work toward improving the quality of the podcast. If you too would like to become a patron, we're at patreon.com slash into the north podcast. Another way you can support us is via our TCG Player affiliate link. So anytime you want to purchase something from TCG Player, to use our affiliate link, which is in the description of this episode, a portion of your purchase goes towards supporting the podcast. Thank you, as always, to the band of Vox Cadre for our lovely podcast music and to Nate Slover for our equally lovely podcast logo. Next episode will be out in two weeks. Until then, see ya. Have a good day.